Uh, but this morning we're continuing in the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, uh, we are finishing the Sermon on the Mount next week. I'm going to be preaching again next week, so you get me two weeks in a row. What a delight. Um, no excitement about that. And um, we're going to be finishing the Sermon on the Mount next week um, and uh, as we travel through gos- the Gospel of Matthew. Um, but this morning is a small chunk of scripture we're looking at. It's packed and we're going to talk, open it all up together. So I'm excited. Okay, Matthew 7, 7 to 12 is what we're looking at. Might have been me. Matthew 7, 7 to 12. So if you have your Bibles, please open them up. If you don't have a Bible and you would like one, there's some on that back table there. You can go and help yourself to one. It's a gift to you. If you don't have one, take it with you. Um, and let's just pray. Father, thank you so much for all we have to be grateful for as a church. Thank you for all that you're doing and continuing to do and how it filled my heart with joy, seeing all of our kids and youth stood on this stage this morning. God, you are moving, you are advancing your kingdom And what a joy it is to be part of that. Lord, I pray that as we open your word together, would your Holy Spirit just come and reveal to us things that we might have missed, things that you want to speak to us as your children this morning. And Lord, would you come and just do a work in us this morning that we might leave here with a a difference in us that makes us look more like you. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? Okay, Matthew 7, 7 to 12. It's on the screens for those who... Don't have it in front of them. It says this. It says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son... That is definitely me. Sorry about that, guys. Which of you, if your son asks for a stone, oh, sorry, ask for bread, thank you, ask for bread, we'll give him a stone, or if he asks for fish, would give him a snake. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. But this sums up the law and the prophets. Okay, so uh, recently, um, uh, just a couple of weeks ago, Hannah and I, um, my little girl, we uh, give my brother Andrew, or AC as we affectionately call him, uh, a a ride across town with his little boy Jacob in the back. And we were reminiscing about our childhood and just sharing a couple of stories with Hannah about us growing up as brothers. And my brother growing up, which was hilarious, used to hate anything that wriggled, anything that crawled, anything that flew, any bugs, any slugs, any worms, anything. He hated them with a passion. In fact, one of my lasting memories of my little brother was he used to have one of these toy cars, you know, the ones where you kind of do the whole Flintstones thing and you go with your feet, your feet do this underneath. One of those little cars, red and yellow, and it had um, a little compartment in the back, and he, and he used to keep his sweets in there um, to keep him safe from me. And, um, and, in the, and it, it was normally fine, but in the summer, when the sun hit the sweets, they would melt, and then he would have every wasp within a mile radius, like, chasing him, and his little feet would be going, and the wasp would be <laughs> flying after him. Anyway, the, the story we, we were talking about in the car 
bearing in mind my brother and what, what he was scared of as a kid, um, what, this, the story we shared was uh, one time I, uh, I told my brother I'd made him a sandwich, and I had made him a sandwich, and I gave it to him and told him it was jam. And what I'd actually done is gone into the garden and grabbed a couple of the biggest, fattest, juiciest worms and put them in the bread. <laughs> I know, I wasn't always as perfect as I am now. Yeah. Hey, my, my, my question to you this morning is, does your prayer life sometimes feel like a worm sandwich? doesn't make sense, I know. Does it sometimes feel like a worm sandwich? Like you, you pray and you ask for a good thing. You expect the jam, right? You expect the jam sandwich. And what you find actually is, is often you're left there holding something that is difficult to stomach. Uh, and, the, and the problem with the scripture that we're talking about this morning is that it speaks of these beautiful jam sandwiches. And, and all you have to do is ask your Father in heaven, ask God, and he has unlimited jam sandwiches. And instead, what you find is, is that actually sometimes you're stood there holding a sandwich full of worms. And you know, the prayers that we can giggle at are things like, you know, you pray for a parking spot and you don't get a parking spot. Or, 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 or you pray that your team wins the game, which they didn't yesterday, 3-1 Brighton, can you believe it? Or you pray that Arsenal lose and then they win. But, but then there's the prayers that are even more heartfelt. Like you pray that you get the job and you don't get the job. Or you pray that you get with that girl and she marries another guy. Or you pray that the money would come in and it doesn't come. You pray that your child would become a disciple of Jesus and they don't. You pray that you get pregnant and you didn't. You pray that the, the person that you pray for would get better and they, and they get worse. And, and you feel like you stood there holding a worm sandwich. And, and these words from Jesus, they're certainly words that I wrestle with. I have no doubt that you've wrestled with them if you've been following Jesus for some amount of time and and even recently with the events that have happened in my life I feel like I'm still there holding a worm sandwich and I'm like I thought I ordered jam right because Jesus says if you ask you receive and if you seek you find and if you knock the door will be opened and you pair this with other teachings that Jesus gives Matthew 18 19 to 20 it says again Truly, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, so I would say, amen, we agree, right? It will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. On Matthew 21, 21 to 22, it says, truly, I tell you, if you have faith and do not doubt, <clears throat> not only can you do what was done to this fig tree, it's when he curses the tree, but also you can say to this mountain, go and throw yourself into the sea, and it will be done. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. So what's going on here? Like, wh why does Jesus say these words? And afterwards, I feel like this isn't happening, Jesus. But it's so important, always, when we read the Bible, that we read it within the context in which it's taught and who it's taught to. 
You know, I, I've said it a thousand times, and I'll probably say it a thousand more times before I'm done. You can make the Bible say whatever you want it to say. Like, I could stand up here, I've said it before, and I could preach from the Bible that there is no God. I could preach that. I could preach there is no God. That's what the Bible says, there is no God. However, however, I've taken it out of context. It says, for a fool says in his heart, there is no God. You can make the Bible say whatever you like, and this is one of those subjects where you have to keep it within the context in which it's being taught. Because if we're not careful, what, what happens is Jesus' words here, and in other moments throughout his teaching, like we've just pulled out there, we can come up with this blank check theology. Like, I just, need to, I just need to say it, I need to write down what I want, and then, and then God's going to do it for me. Whatever you want. If you, if you claim it in the name of Jesus, it's yours, right? Like, the Bible says, ask and you'll receive, so ask for it. Ask for the parking spot. Hey, i got a parking spot. Woohoo! Like, some people get really excited about that, by the way. And the, the issue with this is, is that Jesus is teaching all about your relationship with your Father. All about your relationship with your Father. It's not teaching that God does what you say. That's not God, that's a genie. Jesus is not teaching that you are the master and he is the servant. He's teaching that he is the father and you are the child. The danger with this mindset, and I see all of the time, like, and I wrestle with this from time to time. When it comes to your own prayer life, the reality is if we go in with this mindset of, well, he's my genie and I, I just write, he's giving me blank checks and I just write down what I want and he gives it to me. The reality is that at some point, what you pray for, what you ask for, definitely will not happen. And you will find that your mindset, your, your whole theology is shattered and broken, and it comes crashing down. And what happens as a result is people say, you've probably heard this, oh, I tried the Jesus thing and it didn't work for me. It just didn't, it wasn't for me. Or, or, or perhaps they keep on walking with Jesus. But actually what happens is as believers, we just stop praying because well, what's the point? I tried it. It didn't work. Jesus said, ask and you'll receive. But I didn't receive. So what does that mean? I feel a bit messed up, a bit insecure about it now. And, and, and actually, God, you're just going to do what you're going to do because you're God. So what's the point in praying? In fact, um, I spoke the other week on the Lord's Prayer. And Jesus tells us, doesn't he? He says, he says hey, when you pray, don't pray like the pagans do because, you know, they, they just go on and on and on. Actually, Jesus says, your father knows what you need before you even ask him. So, so what's the point? What's the point in me praying because, you know, he knows what I need before I even ask him. So what's the point in talking to him about it? Here's the thing. When you're praying, you're not praying to inform God. You're praying to be formed by God. I want to say it again because it's really good. So you just didn't hear it. When you're praying... You're not praying to inform God. You're praying to be formed by God into his likeness. That's what happens when you pray. When you pray, your heart sinks with his. The Lord God Almighty, the maker of the universe, the one who is all-powerful, all-knowing, all-sufficient, the one whom your worries, your troubles, 
your, your sin, your shame, your anxiety, your depression, your, your, your biggest pain, your biggest grief, it all must bow and retreat in his presence and before him. It all goes. It all gets brought into perspective. And when you come before him, and you are formed by him to look more like him, and his reign and his rule, it becomes not just this, not just this nice to have, it becomes more of a reality in your life. That's what happens when you get before him and you pray. That's what happens. So does God know what you need? Yes, he knows. He knows what you're going to ask him. But should I still come to him and ask him? Yeah, of course you should. You should seek him. You should knock. You should ask. But more than this, Jesus says when you come to him, he's not just God, this standoff, kind of Victorian, looking down his nose father. He's a loving, caring father. He desires a parent and child relationship with you. That's what God desires for your life. And think about what the relationship between a wise parent and, and a child looks like. See, with little Hannah, who's like five and sweets are the best thing ever and watching movies. Like if I said yes to everything that Hannah wanted from me, right, we would watch eight Disney, eight Disney movies a day, guaranteed. Two of them probably the same twice. And, and, we, and the dentist would be mad with me every time we went because she'd have that many cavities in her teeth. Like that would be the reality of me being a yes parent, just saying yes to everything that Hannah wants, right? Does Hannah always understand why I have to say no or not yet? Does she understand? Do any of your kids understand? Like, I don't know about you, but when I say no or not yet, there are times where I become like enemy number one, right? Like, oh, mummy, daddy's not being kind to me. Like, it's like, you know, eight o'clock and I'm not letting have another sweet, right? Like, <laughs> children don't always understand. We don't always understand. And Jesus says, hey, you, like you, humans, he kind of puts us in our own category because he's human, but he's different. He's God and he's perfect. Hey, you humans, if you, sinful, self-centered, and yet you, you love to give your children gifts. You love it. You love to give them nice things. Do you, when they ask you for bread, would you give them a stone? Of course you wouldn't, because you, why would you do that to a child? And if you would do that, you who are flawed, who have fallen short of God's glory, then God, who is in his very essence, love, how much more does he want to bless you? How much more does he not want to withhold great things from you? And Jesus is painting this picture of a father who is always listening, always attentive, always just desperate just to give you good things. And Jesus invites you, me, and his disciples right there in front of him in that moment to think about prayer in this setting. That's exactly the setting in which Jesus wants you to think about prayer. Does he give you what you want or what you think is right? Not always. But does that mean that God doesn't care or isn't listening? So it's important 
that we don't see God or see this scripture or any other scriptures that we can take, take out of context to be that God is my genie. No, he's your father. And, and, and yes, prayer isn't for you to inform God. Yes, God already knows what you need. But when we pray, we're formed by him. And what I want to do um, just towards the end is just to look at a couple of things that I felt to mention this morning that I just feel speaking into the theology on prayer of how we should approach prayer, felt it was really right to just mention these couple of things. The first is, is that this mindset that can slip into our lives, uh, that can be spoken into us, that, that you would do it for them, God, but you wouldn't do it for me. If they asked, I bet you would do it. But because I'm asking, you probably won't. Okay, growing up, uh, did anybody, uh, give me a wave if you, if you weren't the only child in your home. Just give me a wave if you weren't the only child. Okay, all right, good. Okay, uh, raise your hand for me if out of those children in your home, you were the favorite. There you go, three youth, very confident. You were the favorites, great. Mel, you raise your hand, I don't know what Travis thinks of that. Okay, all right, not, not many hands. Raise your hand if you knew who was the favorite in your house, but it wasn't you. Yeah, 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 okay, right? Like, we laugh about it, right? See, the thing is, is that me and my brother growing up, we had a little sister. She was like, I mean, she was the easiest to love, in fairness. Um, she was the best behaved. She wasn't weird, Andrew, was she? Um, and uh, she was like a little blonde angel that walked around the house, right? Like, she was the easiest to be the favorite. Of course she was. And here's the thing, we laugh about it, but the reality is, is that this mindset can slip into our prayer lives. Like we can, we can allow that to become part of our relationship with our Father in heaven. So it's funny to joke about, but actually you can think, okay, God, um, if I was better behaved, maybe I would feel a bit more confident asking you for this. Maybe if I didn't sin so often, if I didn't keep doing the same sin. Maybe if I was a better person or if I was like one of those Christians on TV or I had my own YouTube channel. Or maybe if, you know, I was more successful, I would feel more confident coming to you, God, and asking you for things or asking you to help me in my life. Ephesians 2, a man, please just steep yourself in this. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions, when you were covered in sin, when you were totally in your own world, serving your own selfish needs, not following Jesus, even when you were totally sinful, even then, God made you alive in Christ, brought you out of your transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. When you put your faith in Jesus, this is what happens. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in, all, in the coming ages we might, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's nothing to do with you. It is the gift of God, not by works, so no one can boast. Nobody. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus 
to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. The Bible cannot be more clear. When you put your faith in Jesus, you are made clean. The Bible says that you're made as white as snow. Every single one of us needed a saviour. There's nobody in this room who was making it on their own. Every single one of us, the Bible says, falls short of the glory of God. Every single one of us needed a saviour. You are his favourite. It's so important you understand this. You're his favourite because you're in Christ. You are hidden in the Son in whom he loves. The Bible says that you can approach your heavenly Father with confidence because you're approaching a throne of grace. That's what it says. It's nothing to do with your performance. It's nothing to do with your ability to be a good person. It's nothing to do with your works. And it's about you accepting that you are a child of God and that you are his favorite. So if there's a part of you that struggles to enter the presence of God because you feel ashamed, you feel a hesitation, you feel like, actually God, I'm a little bit worried because I I don't want to do the same mistakes and then come to you and and feel like I can ask you for something because who am I to ask? Like you would do it for them because they're really good at being a Christian. But I don't want to ask. You are his favorite. And if you feel ashamed you feel reluctant to lie, to lie from the enemy that you're anything but clean and made righteous before him. To lie from the enemy, he calls you just as you are, just like you are right now, because he loves you. He says, hey, come, come and ask me. Come and seek. Come and knock desperate to speak to you. And the final thing that I want to mention is probably the hardest one, and I haven't given myself much time to talk about it. It's intentional. <laughs> what about those prayers that, you're, that you pray and you just, it's a really good thing. Like, and they just feel like they hit the ceiling. They go no further. And you pray something that you just know it lines up with God and who he is. You know it lines up with his kingdom and his priorities. You pray for new life in your marriage to get pregnant and you're unable. You pray that your marriage will survive and you end up getting divorced. You pray for a friendship to be redeemed that's broken and yet still you find yourself holding the pieces. You pray for someone to get better and they get worse. Like, what do we do with that? How do we line that up with what Jesus is saying, his words, like, hey, ask and you will receive. If two of you agree, then it will be done. How do we line that up? The the reality is, is that the Bible, it doesn't give us like a nice gift-wrapped scripture here. Be nice if it did, but it doesn't. It doesn't give us a nice little gift wrapped. Hey, this is what's happening here. It doesn't explain it for us in that sense, but it does address it. 
it does address it. You see, the same Jesus that spoke these words to you and to me, the same Jesus that said, hey, ask and it will be given. That same Jesus, on the night he was arrested, he kneels down in the garden and he prays and he asks his father. He asks him for something. In all the Gospels, Matthew 26, 39, it says, going a little further, fell with his face to the ground, prayed. He prayed. The first words that Jesus speaks. My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Jesus knows he's about to be killed brutally. He knows what awaits him. He knows the weight that he's about to carry. And he asks his Father, may it be taken from me. If there's another way, Father, can we find it? Yet, not as I will, but as you will. How Jesus finishes his prayer. Not what I want. Right. Did Jesus get the request that he asked for? No, he died. He died. But you see, this is deep relationship with his father. And he chose to trust him to trust him and this in the context of prayer our theology should be about prayers that God is my father and he loves me and as a result even when I don't understand even when I don't get it even when it hurts like gut wrenching and I ask for something I know it's right I know it's what you want God even when I ask for it I still say not what I want, God. What you want. Form me. Mold me into your likeness. Make me more like you. Was Jesus ever forgive? Was he ever forgotten or forsaken by his Father? Never. God raised him from the dead into glory. And your Father, even in your deepest, darkest, worst moments, the valleys that you think you will never come out of, will never leave you or forsake you. Never. He will always give you what you need. He will never give you a stone instead of a loaf of bread. He will never give you a snake. He will never leave you or forsake you. He will always give you the victory in Jesus' name. And we must be a children. Be children who come to him, to ask him, to receive from him, to seek him with all of our hearts, knowing that we're able to do, do that because we're his favorite child. I'm his favorite child, which means I get to come to you and ask you for things. I know that you hear me. I know that you see me. I know that you love me because you showed it through your son, Jesus. And I know that I'm clean before you. I don't need to feel ashamed or worried about how you're going to receive me. I know that I'm clean. I know that I'm hidden in the son whom you love. 
And what I find in return is that I'm formed to be more and more like you, that I look more like you, that through the power of your Holy Spirit, you transform me from the inside out. And then in those moments where I don't get it, I don't understand, I do understand that you love me. I do understand that you're my father. I do understand that I'm your child. And I know I can trust you. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, You will seek me, and you will find me. You will find, find me when you seek me with all of your heart. May we be a people who seek him with all of our hearts. Would we seek him with everything we have? Everything we have, and would we understand that what we hold in our hand isn't a worm sandwich? <laughs> the greatest gift of a relationship between a father and a child.